Welcome to the Tin Lounge, where travel advisors Corrine and Teresa read you the travel industry news headlines that are currently unread in your inbox, so you can leave here feeling informed. If you're new around here, Tin stands for Travel Industry News, and on today's full episode, we're going to cover some of the biggest stories from this month. I'm Corrine, co-owner of Journeys Travel Company and creator of Travel Biz Boss. And I'm Teresa, owner of Get Out Custom Travels and creator of Fan With Intention. We've got a lot to cover, but before we get started, we wanted to give a shout out to our podcast network, Trav Market Media. Head on over to travmarketmedia.com to find some other fantastic travel podcasts. Yes. Another month, another full episode. So let's dive on <laughs> in if you're ready. <laughs> I'm ready if you are. <laughs> so this article is from Travel Age West, and it talks about family travel, but specifically in Maui. But I chose this article because I felt that it gave some really good tips for families who will be traveling with their children. So it's in this article, it says it had been more than two years since my family. So the author's family and I boarded a plane. And in that time we had added another human to our household at two and a half years old. Lottie is surely our biggest travel challenge. Now after weighing destination and flight options, we landed on Maui. A five-hour flight from Los Angeles seemed doable, and goodness knows we all craved an island of respite. So I don't know about you, Kareen, but I have a lot of clients who did have babies during the pandemic, and they're now old enough to travel with them, like to have a passport to go traveling. Because if you had a baby in 2020, your baby's like two years old now. So like old enough to be able to do stuff. So, um, you know, I love giving tips to families because a lot of them, they're just really nervous. Pre-COVID, they were already nervous about traveling with their kids. Mm-hmm. And now there's even more to think about. So the first tip that this author gives is to book everything in advance, especially if you have children. So don't just leave things up in the air. Um, they said that they booked many of their meals in advance, like made, made restaurant reservations, even restaurants that may have typically taken walk-ins, they were making reservations for them. And I know for adults, if a place does not have any openings, I personally, I'm fine with just going to the next place. And I'm like, we'll just find a sit down place or a quick service place. But with children, it becomes tougher because their kids are cranky then the parents are cranky. You really want a place to sit. So book everything in advance, including as many restaurants as you can. I also think that Probably in a situation, if you don't have something set up, uh, if the kids are a little cranky or things are just a little bit hectic, you might just start saying, I'll forget it, I'll forget it, I'll forget it. And then feel like you didn't do very much because you had Mm -hmm. to make a decision and you just didn't have the energy to make a decision. So I think that's a smart tip. Yes. And also uh, kid-friendly experiences. Make sure you book those in advance too. Things like You know, she mentions the places that they went to, the Maui Butterfly Farm, the Maui Ocean Center, um, even places that didn't usually require pre-booking tickets, definitely have those pre-booked. Then you can bypass those lines. You don't have disappointment with things being sold out. So definitely consider booking things in advance. The second tip, skip the ride shares. Oh my God, I can't imagine trying to hail an Uber with children in tow Mm -hmm. and having to wait at the corner of a street and wait for the Uber to come and get you. 
everyone get in the Uber. There's cars behind us. Um, skip the ride shares and book transfers in advance. You can Good. schedule your Ubers too, but yep. you know, the key again, book everything in advance. Yep. And the last tip, this is a really short one is to just go and don't, Talk yourself out of it. If you're working with a travel advisor, you know, this is something to, to bring up to your clients too. They might be super nervous, but just calm them down by saying, listen, I know it's very scary and you might be nervous and anxious about bringing your kids with you, but you have me in your corner and exactly. I can help you figure all the all of this out and we can make it a really fun family vacation. So just go. I love all that. Those smaller things, or they seem small, but I bet they have a huge impact when you have kids. Of course, I have no idea. But me neither. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my first article is called 11, it's from afar, and it's called 11 European Countries Where Americans Can Work Abroad. And the reason it caught my eye is number one, Teresa is always mentioning how she would love to go somewhere for, you know, a month or two or something like that. Um, just to try it out, which I encourage. I think everyone should put themselves in an uncomfortable situation where they're forced to navigate a culture, perhaps a language. Um, speaking from experience, it's really confidence building. And I don't know if you all know this about me, but I really feel like there's nothing I can't do at this point. <laughs> I will and, say I was super impressed with how you and Tracy spoke Spanish when I went to go visit you. I'm like, dang, <laughs> you guys got it down pat. <laughs> We're getting there. Um, but then now I lost the other reason. There was another reason. Oh, so yesterday a travel advisor sent me a screenshot of a conversation where I was being discussed um, in a positive way uh, from my travel biz boss stuff. But somebody said that um, me with my experience and living in another country and all this stuff that I'm like the Beyonce of the travel industry, which oh, dang. Uh -huh, I did not mind <laughs> hearing that, but you know, I feel like there are other people in our industry who would like to do just like you would like to do. And at least temporarily, not everyone's going to sell everything they own and go like I did, but um, it's a fun, it's fun to think about doing for at least a time. So yeah. 11 countries where Americans can work abroad, an article says several European countries make it relatively easy for those who work remotely to settle in and stay a while. In the past two years, the number of digital nomads from the U.S. has more than doubled, soaring from 7.7 million pre-pandemic to 15.5 million in 2021, um, per this, this study that they consulted. So the first one is Germany. If you're working as a self-employed person in a field like education, journalism, art, music, or acting, you might be eligible to apply for Germany's residence permit for freelance artists. And there are a few other options for visas. Um, they're saying, why Germany? Well, social programs for families, access to nature, cities with green spaces, and affordable cost of living in Berlin. Anyone who qualifies under the listed professions and can meet the documentation's um, requirement you can apply and it's about a hundred euro to apply. And if you're interested in any of these, there's a lot more detail in this article. So visit the show notes to take a look. 
Portugal has become a hotspot for digital nomads. And I was just listening to this new, I think it's a newer podcast, or maybe it's just a new season, Rough Translation by NPR. And it's all about work and cultural work habits. And they were talking about how Portugal is really going after this market hard. They offer a renewable temporary stay visa. Um, it's an affordable cost of living, vibrant city life, sun and sea, laid back lifestyle. And you can apply if you work remotely, earn at least 635 euro per month and can show proof of earning, earnings. Excuse me. Croatia, which we both just fell in love with. Yes. They have a digital <laughs> nomad residency program since January 2021. Again, relatively low cost of living, fantastic beaches, historic cities, excellent food and wine. Yeah, I can only imagine if I was in Croatia for a couple of months, the amount of gelato I would consume during mm -hmm. that time. I mean, I was trying to make myself so sick with gelato. So by the time I got back to the US, I wouldn't be thinking about it. And it was not enough because I'm still thinking about it. And I was averaging like two gelatos a day. Some days were three. <laughs> Well, it's funny when I tell people about that or they saw the pictures of us in our gelato, they're like, what? That I wouldn't have put because they're thinking Yugoslavia. So I was happy to be able to flex. My, well, it was once a part of the Venetian Empire. <laughs> That's a strong <laughs> Italian influence. <laughs> well, actually. Um, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> now, number, number four is Iceland for obvious reasons. And apparently they launched in 2020, a long-term visa for non-EU teleworkers. Um, it is aimed at remote workers and it's first day of up to 180 days, but it is only open to permanent remote employees of foreign companies. So not so much the freelancer, mm -hmm. like us. So uh, Greece, uh, they say it practically sells itself, which I agree with. You, there is a visa that's valid for up to 12 months with a renewal of another two years. They're saying why Greece, tax break, history, artistic city life, beaches, beaches, more beaches, and at least 6,000 islands. And the but food. You must, oh my yeah. God, the oh, yeah. food. You must work remotely and have a net income of 3,500 euro per month. So, but they say the adjustments are made for per family member joining. Malta, I've been dying to go here. 3,000 hours of sunshine per year, multi multicultural history, Mediterranean lifestyle and gastronomy, plus English is an official language and they have a nomad resident permit. Then we have Czech Republic. Also love it. I Maybe, I don't know. I might have to make some plans for a couple months every year and try every <laughs> single one of these. Would y'all be interested if I just <laughs> did this and lived it and talked about it? Um, it's a good value for the money and Prague's international community is amazing and they have great universal health care. And they also have a, a visa suitable for freelancers. All right. Number eight is Estonia bustling startup scene. They have a visa specifically for digital nomads. Romania is one of the latest European companies to hop on the digital nomad, nomad visa wagon. They have scenic hiking and mountains, very affordable relative cost of living, and a lively scene in Bucharest. España, um, it's not in place yet, but Spain recently announced plans for a digital nomad visa in conjunction with the country's startup act. 
So check that out. And number 11, Montenegro, which has ample coastlines and mountains, is also following in the rest of the European countries' footsteps. They have announced the launch of a digital nomad program, potentially with tax breaks, to be implemented from this year until 2025. Some good options for a, a lot extended of workation. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think my goal would be like, wake up in the morning, early, Feeling get all like the work P. done. Diddy. Yes. I was thinking that in my head and I'm like, no, Teresa, control yourself. Control yourself. Don't say pass up a Kesha opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> so like wake up super early in the morning, you know, uh, get work done and then have lunch maybe around like one or two in the afternoon and then take a nap and then wake up and then the rest of the day is free. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like it too. That was kind of that what I've be been shooting for. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> My next article is from Travel Weekly, and it's written by Arnie Weissman, and it talks about the opportunity in misunderstood markets. And this article is specifically about um, this couple who created their own agency. And it started out with the wife being the travel wholesaler. Uh, She was assembling packages for travel advisors, and the husband was a radio ad salesman Um, who was attracted to NTR or non-traditional revenue opportunities. So Mm -hmm. once they got married, they, for some reason, felt like, hey, let's do a travel agency where we cater to markets that have not been traditionally catered to. So, yeah. And they thought that by taking their collective networks that can really make this into something very successful. So what they wanted to hit in terms of demographics was folks who were upscale, interested in culture, and they were drawn to group travel because that's what they wanted to do. Take these group trips and go see a lot of different destinations. So the first destination that they worked with was South Africa. And, um, the wife's name, her name is Javon, and her husband's name is Jean. So Javon said that when she first brought this up and started putting this trip together, she was surprised by the lack of enthusiasm that greeted her proposal. When the woman she was speaking with learned that the groups would be largely African-American, she responded, you do know this isn't the Caribbean. South Africa is a long-haul destination. It's a different price point. And oh. Javon was like, oh, my gosh. And she said, I, you know, she had to convince people, like, I'm not kidding. Like, this was actually said to me. And this was a specialist handling minority business. So, you know, she was told that the their market and demographic didn't fit the destination. Um, yeah. So what is satisfying is that they proved everyone wrong. Because the South Africa trip that they ended up putting together sold out quickly and the couple does about five million dollars annually now yeah so some of their trips focus on black history or incorporate elements relating to the accomplishments of black people in the destination so coming up they have a program for france paris uh champagne bordeaux cognac and they're going to visit josephine baker's home in bordeaux so they incorporate elements of black history into their trips and side note Recently, Ama Waterways announced that they are doing 
a river cruise in France, I believe, um, that focuses on Black history and culture and music. And they've recently announced the special sailing. And um, Jasmine Dows, who is an amazing, like, I love her so much. She was the one who first shared it. And that was something they were really working hard to incorporate. So they're really focusing on this demographic of travelers that oftentimes were just overlooked. So Javon said, similarly to how Black travelers are misunderstood by destinations and suppliers, radio is also misunderstood. So um, this is so interesting because I didn't know this. Radio holds a special appeal to African-American boomers. If you go back to the civil rights movement, there was a strong connection to radio in the Black community. It was very tangible, very hands-on. Oftentimes, Black radio would have a storefront where you could walk by and see the DJ and they were talking to you and they were very connected to the community, to the events that were happening and were politically connected. It's connected to a sense of belonging. So the couple built their business that confronts misunderstandings about Black buying power and the medium they have chosen as a primary promotional vehicle. That is so cool. I mean, stuff like this is why like this industry is always so interesting to me because it's you're, even if things have been done a certain way for so long, there are new ways to do things that might not be like brand new, but it's just a new way of looking at things. So in regards to the economic strength of black travelers, it's, Javon says, it's kind of like a neglected child. If you give them attention, they will respond. They pay attention to someone who values their time and hard earned dollars. So they were not immune to the pandemic, but their business has bounced back. And she's not concerned about the possibility of the recession. They have a lot of people who are either retiring or have already retired. So that's their other demographic that they focus on is baby boomers. And as travel ramps back up, the story of their agency, which is Advantage International, should be a wicked call to suppliers. Succeed going forward, it may be it may well be as profitable to pay attention to neglected markets as it can be to seek out new ones. So the people are already there. You don't have to try something new. The people are already there. You just have to figure out and do the work to figure out how you can change your marketing, how you can change the way that you interact with different demographics of people. So let this be a lesson to you guys. Never mind. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of niches, I grabbed an article from Travel Market Report called Yacht Style Cruising, A Niche Within a Niche. This caught my eye, number one, because you and I just did some yacht style cruising. And also this is interesting to me personally as I try to provide more experiential opportunities for my cruiser clients, which is a lot of my database. So it says, not truly new to the cruise industry, the concept of yacht-style cruising is gaining steam with several yacht-style cruise ships on order from the Ritz-Carlton Yacht Collection, Scenic, and Emerald Cruises. They joined Sea Dream Yacht Club and Windstar Cruises in offering a small ship style of cruising that has more in common with private yachting than traditional cruising. And then, of course, we know there's things like Katarina Line or Les Tavitsa that we just went on. Um, There's places in Greece where you can actually charter yachts. But I think this bridges a gap for the people that want that yacht style experience, but maybe they're not going to charter a whole yacht. Mm -hmm. So Travel Market Report reached out to some of the major players in the yacht style cruising niche to find out how it's different from small ship cruising, 
what yachting implies and whether it's only for the ultra affluent. So they're saying, is this a buzzword or a true differentiator? Is yacht style cruising different from small ship cruising or is it merely branding and marketing? So uh, there is a quote here from Adrian D'Annunzio, manager of Sea Dream Yacht Club, charity and PR. And it's, this person says, in today's marketplace, the term small ship cruising is used liberally and means different things to different people. There are cruise lines touting their small ships, which carry anywhere from 260 to 1,200 plus people, and it's increasingly style, increasingly popular style of cruising, and increasingly unclear what small means. So yacht style cruising does indeed stand apart. Yacht style cruise ships, for instance, don't have the same size range. The largest yacht style cruise ship carries carries mo no more than 500 people, and the smallest typically carries about 100, though there are cruise lines with even smaller yachts offering cruise-style itineraries. Because of their size, yacht-style cruises tend to go to smaller ports and even some of the other, then even some of the small ship cruise companies. The boats are smaller, meaning you can choose to moor up in a marina and explore a quaint town or anchor in a secluded bay to experience the best of the sun and sea. Additionally, yacht cruises often spend more time in a given port with later stays and more overnights providing more of that leisurely style of exploration that yachting is known for. And that's what I kept saying on ours. It's like, it's like where slow travel meets cruising, which people don't mm -hmm. usually put together, but it's super relaxing. Just as important, yacht style cruise ships tend to have a similar onboard experience. The spokesperson for Ritz-Carlton says, we view yacht cruising as a lifestyle that is incorporated into each facet of the guest experience. On board, this experience will reflect what one might find on a private yacht. No casino, show lounge, or formal nights. Instead, guests will have the freedom to design their day as they wish. There's not going to be the type of entertainment that blows you away like you get on the big lines because that's not yachting. That was added by Maggie Carbonell, Vice President of Marketing for Scenic. Another characteristic Yacht style cruise ships have in common is an aft marina, something you won't find on the vast majority of other small ships. Having an aft marina from which cruisers can swim and snorkel was something Carbonell said was top of mind for Scenic when designing its first ever warm water yachts for Emerald Cruises. So, in terms of marketing, while there's a tangible difference between yacht style cruising and the rest of the small ship segment, using the term yacht also helps with marketing. You need to be able to describe your product in a context that consumers can grasp and go, I understand what that is, Carbonell told TMR. Everyone knows what a yacht is, she said, adding when she hears the word yacht, she thinks of Robin Leach and the TV show, The Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> the pinnacle of luxury is a yacht, she said. Yachts are spacious. They have luxe touch touches and convey a feeling of pampering. And then the spokesperson for Ritz-Carlton also agreed. Yachting evokes, if I can't speak today, yachting <laughs> evokes luxury, exclusivity, and the freedom to explore as one wishes. I agree so much. So attainable, yes. Budget option, no. <laughs> While travel advisors don't need to limit their marketing of yacht-style cruising to the ultra-affluent, it is not a budget option. Prices generally started about what you'd find at the upper end of the premium ocean cruise segment at several thousand dollars per person, and you won't find much below that. 
With that said, most of the cruise executives they spoke with said that the value that's rolled up into their pricing makes it attainable for more people than you might at first suspect. And that was true for us, right? We mm-hmm. we really had no idea how affordable it was to to charter an entire ship or yacht. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you have thought about promoting this, look a little deeper is what I'm saying, mm-hmm. because it's not as nuts as you think. And then um, they said chartering a private yacht is a lot more expensive per person than sailing with Windstar Cruises, uh, they said. And don't forget, cruises include accommodations, all meals, non-alcoholic beverages, visits to ports, free water sports, etc. That might be up for debate from what we saw, at least in Croatia. Yeah, I think when we look at the different yacht style uh, options out there, each one is going to have something a little bit different. And it really depends on the company that you use. Because the one we did in Croatia, that was a small family run company. And they may not have had all the bells and whistles of the Ritz Carlton yacht collection. But it's really on our it's really up to us to figure out what it is that our clients are looking for and what's important to them. And I recently, I updated my um, hotel excellence with Marriott for the 2022 Mm -hmm. fam rates. And one of the courses that you can take to renew your certification is on the Ritz Carlton yacht collection. And that was the one that I clicked because I had booked a client in 2020 on one of their yachts. She loved it. Um, the the photos all the all the amenities that are that were included but it kept getting pushed back and back and back and so yeah. finally so during this time she had the the guy she was dating at the time when we booked she had broken up with him dated another guy gotten engaged and she recently got married and went on her honeymoon with the so it was a long time that had passed and so <laughs> we were excited about that and so when i saw that course as something that was an option. I'm like, I got to learn more about this because now it does seem like, okay, they are going to sail now because they haven't sailed yet. Like they haven't done yeah. that for sailing. So in looking at the layout of the ship and that Marina area in the back of, in the aft part of the ship, it looks so cool. They had these really neat like loungers and it just looks super, super luxe in the back. So I need to re up my, uh, fantastic rate. Yeah. What's it called? But it was it was really informative. So if you guys need to renew your certification and you want to learn more about yacht style cruising, that would be a great course for you to choose. I will do it. <laughs> um do you want to do excess baggage? Oh sure. Let me stretch my lips. Okay, it's time for Excess Baggage, which is a speed round of headlines that are pretty self-explanatory, so you can learn a lot in just a couple of minutes. According to Travel Market Report, Carnival Cruise Line is teaming up with Costa Cruises to deliver a new concept for North American cruisers. Costa by Carnival debuts in the spring of 2023. I think they call it Costa, don't they? I'm thinking of the sunglasses. When Costa Venezia joins the Carnival fleet sailing from New York City, followed by the Costa Firenze arriving in spring 2024 to sail from Long Beach. Another one from them says that starting next year, inbound travelers to EU countries will be required to pay a fee as part of the bloc's new visa waiver program called European Travel Informational and Authorization System. The permit will cost each applicant seven euros and will be valid for travel to Europe for three years. 
Travel Pulse reports that celebrity chef Guy Fieri, who always who already has a line of burger restaurants across the Carnival Cruise Line fleet, today introduced a new specialty burger. Guests can now order the new Thunderstruck Nacho Burger at Guy's Burger Joint on any Carnival ship that has a wild has the Wild Chef signature restaurant. An article from Travel Agent Central says that Marriott International will be adding eight hotels in Vietnam. They also report that American Airlines has teamed up with TSA to launch TSA PreCheck, a mobile identity verification progress process ooh, that allows passengers to breeze through the airport. To be fair, everyone, I'm super distracted today because my dog has to have surgery later, so I'm <laughs> trying to stay focused. Afar says that United will cut 50 domestic flights per day at Newark Liberty International Airport in New Jersey. According to Travel Weekly, Los Angeles will declare daily room cleaning standard practice for hotels thanks to a new ordinance approved by the Los Angeles City Council. And our high note today is also from Travel Weekly. South Africa drops all COVID restrictions and its travel industry celebrates. And that's it for Excess Baggage. Just a reminder that all the articles we referenced today can be found in the show notes. You did a great job with Excess Baggage. I feel like my I mouth trip over my words today. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next article that I have is from Travel Market Report, and it talks about travel advisors discussing challenges and solutions. So one thing that I really love about conferences and industry events is being able to speak with other advisors and asking them questions and saying things like, Hey, I've got X problem and I don't know what to do. And another advisor might be, might say, yeah, I had that problem last year and this is what I did to resolve it. And so doing mm -hmm. things like round tables and doing things where you're able to just share what your challenges and be able to discuss it with other advisors and, you know, have a conversation to help everyone out because, in our industry, someone's got to have experienced whatever challenge you're experiencing, or they're able to brainstorm to help you figure it out. So this article gives some of the main challenges that were shared at these roundtables and what solutions were discussed. So the Love first it. challenge is getting clients to commit after all of the restrictions and delays and everything that's been happening over the last few years. And for my clients, they're just like, what if this happens? What if that happens? And yeah. having gone through all of that the past couple of years, we're able to advise them accordingly. But sometimes people are still on the fence. So the solution that they gave was, we feel, um, we feel we are confident that helps our clients make decisions. We need to be up on the latest travel restrictions to make sure we know what we are talking about. And they encourage advisors to embrace seeing themselves as experts and that's something that engenders confidence in clients. Uh, the quote here is ex yes, COVID <laughs> confidence. <laughs> the quote here is expert is a relative term. If you know more than they do, you are an expert to them. And trust me, you know a lot more than they do. And we do, we know so much more than the average consumer. And so even if you're not feeling like you're like, the top three experts in whatever in or in whatever destination, you know more than your clients and that's what sets you apart. And that's why instilling that confidence in them will help them make a decision. 
Agreed. The second challenge is restoring confidence in clients and in our business. Uh, the solution is to stay in contact with clients and doing things to show them we're still alive and in business. And I feel like we've been seeing this across the board from a lot of agencies, like travel advisors are traveling to places in person, you're investing in yourself, you're marketing things really well, you're able to share value, educate your clients. And according to one of the people interviewed in this article, staying in front of clients has been especially critical. There's a lot of reluctant travelers out there. And it's always very difficult in any industry, but especially this one, to control the buying cycle. You can have promotions, but if they're not ready to travel, they're not ready to travel. Right. But this is what you can control. You can make sure that when they buy, they buy from you. And that means getting in front of them on a regular basis. You're showing off your expertise. You're elevating yourself. And that way, when they are ready to buy, they're coming to you. Yep. Build authority and stay top of mind. Yes. I just really love, like, I follow a lot of advisors on Instagram and I just love seeing everybody in destination. And some of the things are like really, really good. I'm just like, wow, like I'm learning something new from yep. your post. And I, mm -hmm. I absolutely love it. Um, the other, the next challenge is people's fear and their low confidence in travel. And one of the solutions an advisor gave is this advisor is doing escorted groups where they travel with the group. And they say for some reason, their clients really like that. It's the availability for them to talk directly to their advisor because the advisor is there. And if things go sideways, they have somebody there to help them out. It's helping a great deal with the confidence of consumers. So if you're able to do that and you do group trips, maybe consider traveling with your clients and get more marketing content. <laughs> Um, the next challenge, becoming rusty and forgetting how to do things that used to be almost second nature. And I felt that. <laughs> like It's just Definitely. like, how do I do this again? <laughs> Definitely. And that's exactly the term I would use. Like, oof, I'm rusty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and the solution is doing the retraining and doing the webinars with suppliers, with destinations, just to keep things fresh. And no matter how tech savvy and how much I think I know, I feel like I still continue to have to learn more and retrain what I think I already know. But mm -hmm. I just don't remember how to do some, some things because it's been a long time. <laughs> yep. Lastly is long hold time with suppliers. The solution, I don't know if I will do this solution because it seems like it's a lot, but this particular advisor says that he recently started using a cell phone app called Uma, O-O-M-A. So long as he has Wi-Fi, he can make calls via the app to a supplier while keeping his main line open so that clients can still call him. He mentioned that he uses some of his older phones to make multiple supplier calls so that the one phone is on hold with an airline while another is on hold with a tour company while his main cell phone is still open to receive calls. So that's one way to combat the long hold times with suppliers that's in your control. I will not, I am not able to manage so many phones at one time, but no. if it's something that is a challenge for you in terms of being able to make multiple calls, getting things addressed at the same time, maybe check out using your old cell phones and using a web-based app. Yeah. I use Google voice because being here in Mexico, sometimes, you know, my cell phone number calling, it's different, but 
I was on hold with Air Canada this morning. They said it was going to be three hours. And all of a sudden I got disconnected after about an hour and a half. Then I tried calling back and they weren't even letting you into the queue. So oh my goodness. I'm so excited to talk to them about why they canceled my flight home, but they're still selling it. <gasps> I don't understand what the issue is and I can't do anything online. I have to call. So I'm going to actually try calling tonight. Mm-hmm. Hoping do that you have a Twitter nights account? Or... No, I was thinking about, I do have one. I just need to. So I will say that Twitter has come through throughout these past couple of years. And I only have a Twitter account to complain about things or to do customer service related things to companies, because for some reason they are on Twitter so often and I can get someone to respond faster when I am sending a message to their Twitter account than if I'm on the phone with them. So I had clients who had one of their flights canceled in April due to a mechanical issue. They had to stay overnight in Philadelphia and they missed one of their days in destination. Plus they had to rebook like a transfer or something and they didn't take any screenshots and they lost all that correspondence and they didn't know how to get it back. And so I basically used Twitter and I reached out to this airline. I'm like, Hey, this is what happens. And I'm trying to file a claim. Is there a document that you can send me that shows that this flight was canceled on this day due to mechanical issues? And the person on the other line basically just sent me a tweet back that said, we apologize that flight this on this day was canceled due to mechanical issues. We apologize for any inconvenience. And that was a screenshot that I could send to my clients to file nice. their claim with travel insurance. Well, I'll so, be going to Twitter as soon as we're done here. Yeah, just try it. It doesn't hurt. You may It may or may not work. So I don't know. Just give it a shot. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well, uh, my last article is also from afar, and it is called An Essential Guide to Tipping in France. And this one caught my eye because this is exactly the type of article that I will usually save to create an email template from or put something in a travel guide or make a, a library item in my itinerary builder because you can't keep all this file away in your head. So go check out this article and maybe save it to see if you can grab some things to add to your client travel prep emails or their itinerary. It says tipping and phrase is fairly straightforward. Follow these handy tips when you order a cafe creme. So, Tipping in French restaurants and cafes is not expected. Whether you're at a local cafe or a Michelin-starred restaurant, 15% is automatically included for service in French restaurants by law. This is indicated on the menu or the bill with the phrase service comprise. I'm not pronouncing that, obviously. Nevertheless, if you have a friendly or efficient waiter, you can leave a small gratuity, but this is by no means required. In more touristy restaurants, you might come across audacious waiters who try to tell you that a gratuity isn't included. Technically, they're right. Service is included. A gratuity is not. Regardless, you're not obliged to leave them anything. For a simple beverage, you can round up to the nearest euro or leave 20 to 50 uh, centimes per drink. I guess that's the smaller than a euro. <laughs> so basically, um, just give them 50 cents. Right. Euro. <laughs> mm -hmm. Tipping taxi drivers isn't required. However, locals often round up to the nearest euro or leave up to 5%. If the driver helps you with your bags, particularly if they're large, it's customary to tip one or two euros per 
per bag. For private car service, such as pre-booked airport transfer or full-day car tour, you could tip 5 to 10%. Depending on your hotel, there are a range of services for which you might want to leave a gratuity. Luggage handlers should get 1 or 2 euros per bag. Doorman, 1 or 2 euros. Room service waiters, a few euros. Housekeeping staff, 2 to 4 euros per day. Concierge, 5 to 20 euros and that's if you've asked your concierge for a rec restaurant rec reservation or to arrange other services, then you would want to give them that tip, depending on what they helped you with. In France, you should tip hairdressers, beauticians, massage therapists, or other wellness professionals 5 to 10%. So you may want uh, to just slip this into your pocket beforehand. And then for theater ushers, they should be paid a salary although they should be paid a salary in private theaters it's customary to tip a euro or two so if you're going to the opera a classical concert or a play have some coins handy and then uh tipping for tours classes and other tourism services is where tipping can get a little fuzzy if you book a private tour class or excursion directly with a tour guide or instructor you're usually charged a flat fee and thus tipping is not expected if you book via an online booking platform, a tour company, or your concierge, you should leave a 10 to 20% gratuity if you're happy with the experience. If you have any doubts, check your booking confirmation. Information about tipping is usually included in the fine print. And then they say in recent years, there's been a pro proliferation of free tours in major cities. Although advertised as free, the guides have to pay a set amount, around two euros to the tour company for each person who shows up at the beginning of the tour. Um, and that's true even if some inevitably drop off along the way. So if you take one of these tours and you enjoy your guide, consider leaving at least a five to seven euros per person so the guide can in turn tip the waiter at his local cafe. So fairly simple. And of course, I threw my phone across the room so I, it wouldn't distract me further today. Um, I'm going to have to tell you in a future episode, there is a tipping app that I have on my phone now that I love because it can see where I am and it automatically loads up. Uh, that's pretty fantastic. So I will need that information from you. as well. I want to say it's called tipsy, but I, that might be one that I didn't <laughs> like. So don't take my word. Uh, next time I'll get my phone and I'll tell you guys what it is, but I really like it. That's great information. I feel like I'm going to have my assistant put it into a Canva <laughs> document. Would it be based on a destination guide template that you may or may not have received? Potentially. <laughs> but if we create a brand new one, I'll send one to you. <laughs> so what's a destination on your mind? Uh, just the French Riviera. We've been talking about it to death. We're going to be on an Azamara cruise in a couple weeks, and I'm so excited. And, of course, because... I'm my worst client. I only just started looking at excursions last week and I have no idea what we're going to be doing. Um, but I'm super pumped. I watched, so I had not watched Emily in Paris. You know, when it first came out, I'm like, I refuse. Like, I don't want to watch the show because everyone's watching it. And I'm like mm -hmm. a brat like that sometimes. Like, I don't want to do something because everyone else is doing it. But someone on the Alma fam that I was on, she was like, you really remind me of one of the characters in Emily in Paris. Do you watch Emily in Paris? And I'm like, I do not. 
But every single thing I did, she was like, oh my God, you are that character. And I'm like, okay, now I really have to watch this to see if she was right. So I ended up watching it and it was actually a really good show. I'm glad I actually watched it. It's really good. <laughs> like I, I, I cry, I laugh, like it's just really, really fun. And one of the places they go to in the show is Saint-Tropez. So mm. I'm really excited to go to Saint-Tropez and be able to live the Emily in Paris kind of uh, aesthetic. It, uh, it <laughs> You're too young for this. But there used to be all these commercials for Bain de Soleil, which was like this tanning oil that also made you kind of orange colored. And it's Bain de Soleil for the Saint-Tropez. And I just can't stop. It's like such an 80s hot spot. So I'm Yes, yes. Well, we can make our own commercial once we're there in Saint-Tropez. Do you have any other destinations in mind or are are you right with me in just planning this next trip? Well, I was thinking like, yeah, we've done Europe so much this summer, like in terms of me booking clients and traveling there, I'm really itching and feeling the pull to go the other direction. Like, let me go to Australia, New Zealand. Like, I just want to think about something different. And I feel like that will be the destination on my mind, especially since I did a discovery call today with someone who wants to go to Australia. She said, I want to scuba dive the Great Barrier Reef. And that's been on my bucket list since I was a child. And I was like, great. Um, you know, have you done any research? What other places in Australia do you want to hit while you're there? She's like, I have no idea. The only thing I know is I want the Great Barrier Reef. So just thinking back on my time in Australia and wanting to go there and being able to book this trip for her, I'm very looking, very much looking forward to it. Nice. It'll that's feel so different from like the Italy, from like... I love Europe. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just so ready to be able to work on trips for another destination just to change things up a little bit. I totally get it. So what is something you are loving right now? So oftentimes when we have like a customer service issue, like for you with Air Canada, like Mm -hmm. in my mind, I always dread it because for some reason, I'm just like, they will do everything possible to make sure they don't help me. And I don't know why I think that. Maybe it's because it's always a hassle to try and get what you need. I don't really know. But I recently had an amazing experience customer service wise with, um, <laughs> it's a potting mix, like for, for plants. Mm-hmm. Went to Target, bought a bag of potting mix, and Um, I was going to repot half of my plants that I have. And when I went to go open the bag, there was like a lot of condensation in the bag, like a lot of condensation. And I thought I saw white patches in there and I'm like, oh my gosh, this whole bag is full of mold. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure because I'm like, they put this prebiotic stuff for plants in there. It might be that. took a photo of the bag and I found them on Instagram and I asked them like, hey, I just opened this bag today and I saw these white patches. It looks like mold. Um, What do you suggest that I do to manage this? Like, can I still use the potting mix? Like, what do you recommend? And they were so great about resolving that issue. They were like, it's, it's unsightly, but it will not harm your plants. Mm -hmm. Um, But we will send you a brand new bag. So 
they asked about, you know, where I bought the bag and how it like just basically all the details so they could figure out a better like transport and storage thing. So it doesn't get like that and maybe talk to mm-hmm. that particular store to make sure they're doing things correctly. But they just sent me a picture today and they're like, it's in the mail. It's FedEx. Here's your tracking number. Thank you so much for letting us address this and not going straight to leaving us like a one star review. And yeah. so it's a reminder to myself that they're, I think they're just trying to do their best to resolve your issue. And it's not always they're going to do everything they can to make sure you don't get your problem solved. But like, (laughs) (laughs) I just have to remind myself, like, just go into it with an attitude of they just, they want to help you. Like they just want to do what it takes to help you out. So that's what I'm loving right now. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Sometimes when I'm getting anxious, I just convince myself, well, if they say this, then I'm going to say this. <laughs> and then I get on yeah, and I yeah. put on my professional, cheerful voice and everything goes perfectly. And I never, mm-hmm. it never comes to that. But yeah. Totally get it. <laughs> and what are you loving right now? Well, I mean, we all know I'm obsessed with organization, order, outer order, intercom. Um, every once in a while, <laughs> things start to get a little messy, you know. And I just, I've taken some time to like organize some of my files into folders and just clean things up, just simple things, zhuzh up a couple of my email templates, refresh some links. Um, I've been, I've created a new website for Travel Biz Boss and reorganized those template bundles. So I just love it. Like I just feel so much better when things are organized. And take like carving out time to take care of some of that mm-hmm. stuff has felt really nice. So the inner calm is rising. <laughs> and also, happy anniversary to you and Tracy. Oh, thank you. Forgot so to much. say that at the beginning of this episode, and I'm like trying to remind myself I didn't write it down, so of course I forgot. Thank you very much. We were not too excited about our anniversary activity of taking our baby to have surgery, but uh, hopefully the the uh, result will be something to celebrate. So, yeah, best wishes to Fiona. Thank you. Well, everyone, thanks for sticking with us until the end. We hope this episode has been informative. All the articles we've referenced today can be found in the show notes. I don't know about you, but I can't wait to go and delete those travel news emails I've been hoarding for the past month. If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and or share the show. Also, head on over to our Facebook and Instagram pages, which are both done under the Tin Lounge. We'll link them in the show notes. If you're playing the drinking game where you drink every time I stumble over a word, please don't drive home. Oh gosh. If you have any questions or comments or would just like to say hello, please shoot us a DM or email us at hello at the tinlounge.com. Thanks again for joining us in the Tin Lounge where you can learn a lot in a short amount of time. See you soon. Bye.